The car business is changing faster than ever. And now is the time for dealers and allied industry professionals to get ahead. Together, we'll explore practical ways to help your dealership thrive or get the best results from your account through leadership process and implementation. I'm Becky Chernick, and this is Make Your F&I Profits Stick. And we're live. Talk with Becky Chernick, and I have Josh here with me. I am just absolutely thrilled to have you on the talk tonight, and I'm sure everybody else is as well. I mean, to talk. I mean to tell you, everybody seems to love you, Josh. <laughs> you have worked with That's a great. lot of people in the industry. So, guys, here's I've been here doing it, it a while. I've been. In, I asked Josh, uh, Josh. I said, "Do me a favor." Put that cowboy hat on. <laughs> I loved it. So I saw your photo with Grant Cardone, and I'm like, yeah. okay, what do I have to do to get you on this live talk with Becky Chernick? So yeah. um, to get things started, I, I just yeah, I had a few a couple of viewers and asking me, well, who am I? So I just thought it would be important to tell you guys that I've also been in the automotive industry and I provide what I think is the very best in finance and insurance training and specifically when it you know when the customer lands on the dealership website from the time they get into that dealership from meet and greet to desking which is a big thing and we'll talk a little bit about desking tonight won't we josh yeah, and you know. uh finalizing that transaction um either with a single point hybrid or even a traditional evani person so a lot going on there so that's my commercial that's who Becky Turning is. I started my, founded my company in 2001. So there it is. Josh, tell everyone, our viewers and dealers, who are you? Yeah, so I, uh, I started in the car business in 97. I was 18 years old, started selling cars. Um, and it was, uh, it was just gonna be a summer job for me. I grew up, I mean, I grew up pretty poor. I grew up in a single wide trailer out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I, I wasn't one of those people like most of us where we, you know, dreamed about being a car salesman definitely wasn't me. And 24 summers later, 25 now, is it five now, 25 summers later, we're not quite to summer yet. So we'll say 24. <laughs> uh, I'm still here. And, uh, and it's been incredible. Right. I, I, you know, I, I had ups and downs like everybody. I, I, I just absolutely had so much fun. Um, and, and I moved up and, and it was, it was really great. I haven't bounced around a lot. I started in Oregon um, I went to Arizona for 12 years. I was with Van Tile for two, AutoNation for 10, and then um, moved to Colorado. I was a partner with John Elway and his Chevrolet store for about six years. Wow. And then uh, I took a couple years off, did some training. And now, uh, well, shoot, almost two, or, yeah, almost two years now, we've, we bought these stores. And so we have a Chevrolet, Cadillac, Kia, and two Hyundai stores. And I'm a partner in, in those five stores. And it's been, uh, it's been an incredible journey. Obviously, anybody who's been in the car business the last couple of years knows what the business has been like. A lot of ups uh, and downs. Yeah. You know, it's just Absolutely. been crazy. You think yeah. you can predict something and you can't predict anything. But, uh, but yeah, but that's the, that's the kind of the short version of, of my story in my life. And I'm just a, just a car guy and, and I love doing it. Well, um, that's a good story. And we certainly love to hear about what, who, who and what Josh is all about. Now, one of the things though, that, you know, on these posts, I am getting like feedback, like this guy's freaking incredible to work with. <laughs> Becky. He's, he's, he's dynamite. I love working with that. 
him. And, you know, I think that's really refreshing because, you know, sometimes some of these guys get a bit of an ego and it's like my way or the highway, buddy. But, you know, I think you get more out of not necessarily, you know, grooming people, working with people, helping people grow. Yeah. I mean, right. You know, that, I mean, that, that's one of the biggest struggles, right? Is surrounding yourself with talented people. And there's so many uh, big egos in the car business. We'll just say, right. So if I surround yeah. myself with good people, it might make me look worse, frankly. And it's kind of cliche, but I'd rather surround myself with good people. So I don't have to work as hard, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's really important for me to groom people. That's something that, uh, that I love. I've got two of my sales managers now that were salespeople at other stores. I promoted them, brought them into my store as a sales manager, gave them an opportunity um, and, and it's, just, and I've worked with them in the past. Um, but, uh, it's just really important. I think if you groom people, they'll be loyal to you. We see our turnover in the auto industry is incredibly high because you get a lot of people that are chasing paycheck to paycheck, you know, just going, Hey, I can get a better pay plan over here. I'm gonna go over here and get a better pay plan versus if you're good to people, you treat them well, you know, that I know each one of my people, I know what their goals are, what they want to be. Some of them don't want to be in the car business forever. I'm going to help them do what they want to do, even if it's not in the car business. And I'm going to hope that they stay, you know, but they, they might, they may want to do their own thing. You know, they may want to get into real estate or whatever. Hey, let's sell a bunch of cars. Let's make a bunch of money and buy some houses. Um, you know, and I've got, uh, you know, sales managers that want to be, you know, they want to, they want to be a GM. And, um, so I'm putting them into NCM school to use car manager school, to GSM right. school and, you know, things like that, because I feel like if I make that investment and it's a big investment on my end it monetarily, is. um, if I make that investment, the likelihood that they're going to stay with me is higher. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, they yeah. may get an offer from somebody down the road, but they're like, Hey, no, you know what? Josh is going to promote me and he's got my best interests. And, you know, I've got my GSM now. He drives up from Colorado Springs every day, which has got to be an hour and a half from the stores. But he knows he's seen me put uh, one, two, three GMs in my store that uh, were sales managers not that long ago. Wow. And uh, he knows that, hey, if I want to get promoted, this is the path that I need to go. And now he's, I mean, he's bought in with our store. He's bought in with our philosophy and, and uh, you know, the way we do business and the way I nurture and, uh, you know, and, and, and move people along. So uh, it's just, it's so important in, in my mind. Absolutely. They need to have that roadmap, right? To, to yeah. figure out, hey, you know, what's the plan? What's the big plan? What's the mission here? What's, you know, why, why should I, what differentiates you from the rest and why yeah. should I go ahead and dig my heels in to work with your group? Yeah. What makes you, what, what's the win-win, you know, going, yeah. you know, happening there. And yeah. it's so just like customers, right? I mean, we do everything we can to conquest customers, to, to get them into our ecosystem and not let them go, whether it's service or sales. Um, it's, uh, it's the same thing, but for some reason we, we attack our customers and we go after those customers so hard. We don't do the same thing with our, with our salespeople, with our technicians, with our, well, technicians, maybe with our, with our managers, you know, it's like, Hey, they, you know, they want to bounce Hi, you know, kick rocks, get out of here. You know, or, Hey, I, I want to, you know, move through this progression in my career. What can you do for me? You know, right. so, you know, I, like I said, I'm making that investment, spending, you know, several thousand dollars to, I've got a nice young sales manager right now at early twenties and send him to use car manager school. Um, and, uh, you know, making that investment in him and he sees that. And I, I mean, I truly believe he'll be with me forever. Five, six, seven, eight, nine years from now, he's going to be a, a GM for me at one of my stores. Well, that's exactly what it's all about. So I guess last month, January 2022, you had a big month. In yeah. fact, you hit 
You hit all-time record in the state of Colorado. Yeah, we were the Chevy number one store. store. Yeah, the Chevy store was number one. My uh, my two Hyundai stores were up 173% in one store, 146% in the other store. So uh, all in all, we had a you know an incredible month. And, and anybody who's in the industry knows how challenging it was. So, um, yeah. you know, so for us to be number one was big. We finished number two in the state last year, which was huge for us. Um, we really moved that store from where it was when we bought it. And our, obviously our goal this year is to be number one. So it, uh, it started off great in January being, uh, being number one. Well, that's terrific. So, so that leads me into, that leads me into, seriously, a great job done, but it leads me into, we were talking, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your success, but I know you're, you've got a huge competitive edge and, <laughs> um, and, and right? <laughs> to yeah. say so. Um, but CarMax, CarMax yeah. is, I mean, major competitive and they're crushing it and they're yeah. crushing it big. Should dealers be paying attention to what's happening with CarMax or is that just a, a fad? Yeah, no, I think, you know, and CarMax has been around for a while and it was always that that dealer that uh, customers were getting their buy bids from, you know, and we just kind of dismissed them. But, you know, I've got a CarMax down the road from my Hyundai store. They do four to 500 cars a month, you know, and there's there's not very many new car franchise dealers that do four to 500 cars a month. And most car guys will say, you know, when they when they think of CarMax, they think, oh, they pay way too much for their cars. Well, they're selling four to 500 cars a month out of this one store. So are they really paying too much for their cars? You know, so they've got a they've got a process that they use that works incredibly well. And you and I talked about this the other day. A lot of it is it's data driven. You know, as car guys, we go off. It's my gut says this or I think it you know, I think I do well with these cars. They they have. I mean, anybody who's been at the auction with the CarMax, it's some young college kid with a clipboard that doesn't know how to buy a car. He just knows that car. He needs to pay that much money for it. And that's it. Uh, because they've got a, you know, they've got their data that says, hey, in San Diego, that car is going to sell seven days quicker than the national average for $800 more profit. So I'm buying it in Nashville, but it's going to San Diego. And, um, and the fact that they use purely data is unbelievable. And their margins are great. You know, I mean, they're a publicly held company. You can look at their gross profit margins. They're very, very high. Um, and then, and then obviously their customer process, which is incredible. They've got, uh, you know, they've got an incredible, no hassle, no haggle, a process and very high prices. Again, if you ever shopped CarMax, they have the highest prices in town, but they yeah. still sell a ton of cars. So it just goes to show you that consumers will pay more for a better, smoother, cleaner process. Okay. So they also have a 30 day money back guarantee. Is that right? Did I read uh, that correctly? I, yeah. I, don't, I, I can't remember if it's 30 day, but I know they have a very long money back guarantee. And the interesting thing is the take rate on that is almost non-existent. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so you get some of these, uh, some of these dealers are like, well, wait a sec, I don't want to do a, you know, seven day money back guarantee or 10 day, or, you know, I think car Bravo is doing 10 day, you know, whatever that is. I don't want to do that because people might take the car back. Uh, they don't take the car back, you know, very rarely do they take the car back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, here I'm, you're, you're, I'm going to date myself again, but I remember, <laughs> Years back when I was running a Saturn dealership and everybody and their mother was go. saying, what are you even thinking about? Don't you know that that whole thing isn't going to work? People are going to want to shop. They're not going to want to continue to pay full retail when they can go down the street and shop at another dealership and negotiate. But And then we also had at the time that 30-day money-back guarantee. Yeah. And frankly, 
there weren't that many, maybe one or two no. during the month that actually even bothered to bring their car back. Well, and now the average consumer does 19 hours of research online. Like we, we all know the data. So they, they're, they're, they're incredibly researched. So by the time they come in to buy their vehicle, it's not like they're, they're just seeing it for the first time. They've looked at it on Edmonds and cars.com and, you know, KBB, they've done all the research. They want that car. So when we're talking about a pre-owned car, unless there's something really wrong with it mechanically, that's the car that they're probably going to buy. And if there is something wrong with it mechanically, what are we going to do? We're probably going to fix it anyway, because that's what we do in the first 30 days. Right. So why not give them that peace of mind? And, you know, it's good marketing. It's good marketing. So, but it just goes back to CarMax's process. They've got an incredible process. The customers love it. And, and that's why they sell a whole bunch of used cars. They do, you know, and here's the thing. So, you know, I went through that whole thing that Saturn wasn't going to be successful. Yeah. There's no way. And they, they weren't, but they really hit the whole idea on the one pricing environment and making life easy and a no haggle experience. And of course, you're, you and I are on the same page. We both did, uh, worked with the alternation stores. And I remember the same exact thing. Here we were going into these alternation store, one pricing, and everyone and their mother said, hey, it's not going to work. But they were selling, am I right, yeah. three, 400, 500 cars a yeah. month. Yeah. yeah. Full retail. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the average it, consumer doesn't want to negotiate. And again, we're talking about like when AutoNation had those used car deals, when Saturn was around, there wasn't an internet. Right. So people didn't have the opportunity to research. Now they're researching. So if they show up and again, we know they visit 1.2 dealerships. So if they show up, they're buying the car. They've done the research, et cetera. Um, so I, I mean, consumers don't want to negotiate. They want an easy, no hassle process. And unfortunately, in the car business, we've done a great job of making it very uh, what's the opposite of no hassle. But it's a big hassle and, <laughs> uh, and, it, and it shouldn't be, you know, I mean, it takes too long. Um, some of that is some of that's the consumer, some of it's us, some of it's state, you know, federal requirements, et cetera. But um, it, the process needs to be easier. And if it's not, as an auto industry, we're going to become Blockbuster and the CarMax, the Carvanas, the Vrooms, they're going to become the Netflix. And that's see, not and I, what we want. See, here's the thing. I think that, you know, and I'm in dealerships all over the country. I am. I'm, I'm like every I, I see a lot. I hear a lot. I'm in there. They tell me what they think. And they keep acting like, hey, this is not a big deal. We're going to keep doing what we've always been doing. Yeah. So Blockbuster said the same thing. As a matter of fact, Blockbuster had an opportunity to buy Netflix and they chose not to. So, you know, and we see what happened there. If we don't evolve, we're going to become dinosaurs. And it may be, you know, there's still going to be new car franchise dealers. I think the laws are pretty good in, in the States. Uh, but what's going to happen is instead of 36 Chevrolet stores in Colorado, there's going to be six Chevrolet stores in Colorado because eventually they're not going to be able to do business. The big ones are going to get big, the, the bigger, the small ones are going to get smaller. If you don't learn how to transact the way the customer wants to transact, it's not the way it was. I mean, when we first got in the business, prior to us getting in the business, the manufacturer had all the data and all the information. They controlled everything. And then we had a good run. We had about 30 years there where we had all the information. I knew what your interest rate was. I knew what your car was worth. You, you, maybe you thought you knew what your car was worth, but you didn't really know. I knew. I knew what your rate was. I knew what rebates were. I knew what invoice was. Well, guess what? Okay, now the customer knows what invoice was. Shoot, they know the rebates better than my sales manager sometimes. They know what their car's worth because KBB has that buy button now. You know, I mean, they know all of these things. They've done the research on interest rate. They essentially can desk their own deal. And we'll get into that here shortly as well. Yeah, but yeah. 
we no longer have the information. We don't have the control. So for us to still hang on to that control piece, uh, you're, you're asking for problems. You're absolutely asking for problems. I think they have really have a hard time with it because it's just the way that they've always have done yes. business. And we've, had, we've been incredibly successful doing it, right? So it's hard to go, I need to change because uh, because I need to change, right? No, we've had a huge level of success. We've all you know, made a whole boatload of money doing it this way. But the problem is things change quicker now than they ever have. I mean, I remember in, was it 97 when Al Gore invented the internet and all of a sudden we've got people buying cars online, right? And we're like, oh, that's never gonna happen. Well, now look at us, right? You can't, you can't buy a car without doing some research online. Well, you know, that's right. I, I remember that. It wasn't supposed to work until it works, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone is tell I, you know, I again go back in the alternation days when we first implemented menu selling in the in the stores and everyone and their mother said, what could you possibly be thinking? There is no way you can be upfront and still be profitable. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know what? I didn't do this whole thing to give up now. So let's just yeah. see where this goes. Yeah. And we ended up taking the nation by storm and just changing that whole con concept of what F&I was all about, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I remember I was with AutoNation when we came out with sales menus and we went away from Sharpies. Yeah. And at AutoNation, we, we were one of the very first. We disclosed interest rate out the door right up front. And the finance oh. guys were like, oh, here we go. We're getting screwed. Well, guess what? Their PVRs didn't drop. Matter of fact, they went up, you know, they got rid of their leg and, you know, all of that stuff. But we thought the world oh, was going to end because we had to have full, dis yeah, the dirty word. We, we had, we thought the world's going to end because we went to full disclosure and what happened? Nothing. Our PVRs went up. Even with right. the cost of warranties going up, we're still making more money in finance. So, you know, sometimes we get into our own head and we think, oh, this, there's no way this is going to work or this is going to cause problems. You know, but at the end of the day, the right thing to do for the customer is the right thing to do for the customer. So you have, you've got some fans in here. So I wanted to go ahead and make sure that, you know, that Terry Torlin, 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 um, big fan of both of you. Hopefully I didn't mess up your last name too much, Terry. I'm really good at that. Looking forward <laughs> to hearing more. Uh, we've got Richie Bellow. Hey guys, settings. Um, then we also have Larry Feldman. He was the number one salesperson in our sales trainer in the world. And then we have good old uh, Ted Ings. Good old his, Ted, yep. He loves you, man. He, he, I love Ted. He thinks, he thinks you're amazing. And, of course, I do too. And then Stephen Chesney, great information. And so we have Matthew Matt. here, dealers. You know Matt, right? Yep, yep. And he have dug in on their processes that have been used for 30 years. Customers so are changing. Dealers are getting left behind. Consulting buyers versus pushing for sales is going to be the future. Think so? Yeah. Yay? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, you know, we want to be a consultant because we know the customers go online, they do the research. Well, sometimes they're wrong. You know, sometimes they they look up something that they shouldn't have, you know, they're they're going down the path that they shouldn't have and and they're they're not quite right, right? They're they're looking at a three-quarter ton diesel and they've got a five thousand pound boat. Well, let's look at a half ton and save a little money or you know, we want to be that consultant. Um, and really pushing them is, is not, I mean, we can guide them down the path that we want to guide them still with some sales skills, some consulting skills, but yeah, that hardcore, you know, pushing, it's just not, it's, it's dead, right? I mean, people are going to spit the bit. So let's, let's talk about what is your definition of 
digital retailing? What exactly, what does that mean? What is wow. so Yeah. So I think if you ask 10 car guys, you get 10 different answers there. Right? I know. For me, it is, uh, and we use it two ways, right? So we've got our digital retailing tool and I've used, I think, three or four different ones now trying to figure out which one I like the best. And and the one we're on now, I'm I'm a big fan of. Um, But obviously we put it on our website. We advertise it, buy your car online. Uh, But most people who have a digital retailing tool know that the take rate is very low. You know, the people who actually transact 100% online is very low. Um, okay. what, we, what we use it for a lot is on the showroom floor and it, it empowers our salespeople to be able to essentially desk the deal. And, and, and we're in a fortunate spot right now in the industry where we're not really discounting cars. So that's really not yeah. an issue, but they can figure out what their payments are. They can click lease and purchase and they can change the down payment. Um, and that has really empowered the salesperson and kind of eliminated that back and forth and the, you know, let me go talk to my manager thing that consumers hate. Um, and now they, Hey, here you go. Here's my payment. And then we can generate that first, uh, pencil, so to speak, or at least get that first objection. And now the sales manager can, um, jump in on the deal and go, okay, here's what we need to close the deal. Or what we're seeing a lot of times is the customers just go, yeah, that's great. I'll do that with the $2,000 down. Sounds good. And we'll get the paperwork ready. And imagine how much quicker we're making that process, right? I mean, the salespeople, they hate it. They go up, sit in front of the sales manager for 10 minutes while he's, you know, playing solitaire or finishing his YouTube video. And boss, I need a pencil. I need a pencil. And now they can generate that in absolute seconds. So that to me is digital retailing also. Right now, the consumer hasn't wrapped their head around the 100% online process. I know that, you know, the Carvanas and the Vrooms are doing it at a pretty high level and we can learn a lot from them. Um, but most people, I truly believe, still want you know some sort of in dealership experience. We're still human beings. We we still want to deal with human beings, and I think that's our big advantage versus some of the online dealers. When you have a problem with the car, and that is whether or not you've actually had a problem with the car, it's always in the back of your mind as a consumer. You know, oh my God, what if I have problems? New car or pre-owned car, it doesn't matter. Well, now you've got a human being. You'll go find the guy in the cowboy hat. He's going to take care of you. You know, versus the room, I mean, just read the reviews. You're not going to get a human being, you know? So no. that is the huge advantage we've got. And uh, GM, they're obviously the rolling out this car Bravo deal. And that's probably a whole nother podcast in itself. Oh, like uh, that. But, yeah. But they have said that 10% of the people want to do the transaction 100% online. 10% of the people want to come into the dealership and they don't want to do anything online. And then the other 80% want some sort of hybrid process. So as a dealer group, if we can have an online process to satisfy those people, obviously we've got the brick and mortar to satisfy, satisfy those people and then have a good hybrid process to satisfy the other huge chunk of people, we can win. Um, Cause we know that most people, when they're doing the online process, they jump off of the online process when they have to enter their social security number. That's what we know. That's what we found out as a dealer group. So if we can get them some of the process, whether it's picking out the car, praising the trade or inputting the credit app, whatever that is, at least get some of that done. So when they show up, it's much quicker, you know, then, then we'll win. And, and I truly believe we can do it. We just have to get okay with appraising trades without seeing them. I mean, all sorts of things that as car guys, we're going, oh my God, I don't know, right? Submitting a deal, telling somebody that they're approved. That was always a big no-no. You know, <laughs> you can't do that. But I mean, we've right. got to get okay with doing these things. And if we don't, we're going to lose. And I promise you, there are dealers like myself. I'm not going to lose. So if you don't, you're going to lose. And, <laughs> I know. I'm, you know, and I'm okay with that. I'm kind of figuring that one out, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to make that, let that happen. But there is a tremendous amount of 
technology that is yeah. out there that really can it's, help this whole yeah. enhance this whole experience and yeah. especially like giving the customer the feeling and ability to toggle through some of these options earlier on and i like to always say and you're probably remembering this a bit give control get control mm. and you know we're it's all about control that? yeah it's all <laughs> well, about control get control of your customer well no not quite well let them have some fun. Let them get. Oh, into I, okay. It. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, right. Because if you try to pull away from it, then they pull away from you. Yeah. So go ahead, have fun with it. I don't care. Yeah. You know, go all the way through it. I really don't care because the likelihood yeah. you're going to be in the dealership anyway to finalize the entire transaction to take yeah. delivery of the vehicle anyway. So. Yeah. What's the big deal? So, and quite frankly, I want to know if they've got a problem. If they have a problem with down payment or monthly payment or trade or price, I want to know that. So many car guys will stick our head in the sand. We won't find out any of those issues. And then we'll, hey, boss, I'm going to follow up with them tomorrow. Well, wait a sec. Why are they leaving? You know, I left my cat in the oven, got to go home. No, it's because the trade's wrong or the interest rate's wrong. Or, you know, mm -hmm. we didn't show them a lease on the pencil because the sales manager was too lazy to work up the lease. You know, so. All of those, all of those reasons, I, it's BS, man. I'm telling you, let's show them everything that they want to see. Uh, now, again, we want to guide them down the, the way to make it easy because sometimes they'll go down the hard path. So that's where we are there as consultants. We want to guide them down the easy path. But at the end of the day, uh, however they want to do it, let's do it. Let's show them everything. Let's figure out what's going on. Give me that objection. So then I can then overcome that objection. Well, I, I think that that is so important. And so Okay, so the customer can shop online, but I think the disconnect comes in when they come into the dealership. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. why bother doing everything that you did because everyone's ignoring it. It, is, yeah. it never happened anyway. Yeah. So we're back yeah. to square one all over again. And then, you know, one of my, I guess, pet peeves is that I'm not sure what's happening at the desk. And to me, the desk is so important. And I think you and I feel the same way about that. And it's like the hub. It's yeah. the heartbeat of the dealership. Mm -hmm. And how some of these dealers are allowing, and I'm not trying to be a hard ass. I really am not. Excuse my French. But the car person comes out in me sometimes. If that's your French, just wait. <laughs> Don't get me in trouble. <laughs> I told you that already. <laughs> I can do yeah. that all on my own. <laughs> you know, so these guys, they go ahead and they start, I mean, to tell you, they, they promote these guys on the desk and some of the guys have never been an F&I. They have no understanding of lender relationship. They don't know how to buy, get a deal bought if their life freaking dependent on it. They, they got a, I mean, they got that fast finger. Yeah. And shotgun yeah. and all that. And I tell you right now, I have, I have, I have. And so the last, um, last live I had with Dora, she was an F&I manager, Musi from um, Jermaine Toyota. And you probably know some of those guys there. You probably know Brian really well. And, you know, you guys know each other from AutoNation and all that good stuff. Cause he was an AutoNation guy too. Yep. And but anyway, she's like, I don't want these desk managers touching a deal, submitting a deal, whatever you do, don't touch it, don't set it. Yeah. And then we have the dealer who says, well, I'm going to go ahead and 
we're going to go ahead and allow that to happen because that's somehow or the other, it's going to speed up the delivery. Yeah. So I've done it both ways. I have had uh, sales managers not do it and sales managers do it. Uh, me as a sales manager and as a GSM and as a GM, I'd sit on the desk and submit deals. Uh, but I also spent, you know, seven, six, seven years in finance as well. Um, I, I think if you have the right staff, and again, it's all about the staff. If you've got the right staff that can do it, great. But if you've got the wrong people doing it, then it's going to hinder the process. And, it, 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 and I think most of us can look at a deal and kind of figure out where the rate is. And if we think we don't know, or if we think it's not a deal, we know we need to leave it up to the bank, have a finance manager take a look at it, have a finance manager take a TO. And if we're in that situation, that type of customer is okay spending an extra 10 or 15 minutes to lock it up. But again, every, I don't want to paint with you know such a broad brush because every, every deal is pretty unique. But uh, right now, my current stores, my sales managers do not submit deals. My finance team is really good. Um, I do have some green sales managers because I've gotten Did a little aggressive. Did you all hear this say it one yeah. more time? <laughs> <laughs> so I've gotten a little aggressive with promoting some guys. So I've got some guys that I want them to worry about uh, being a sales manager and not yeah. being a finance manager. And, uh, you know, all, even to the point where I've told them desk, like I, I hate the term desk manager as well, because I don't need somebody to manage the desk. I need somebody to manage the sales team. You know, Amen. So, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, what happened put, to that? <laughs> yeah. Putting the numbers in the box and hitting print. That's not, you know, it, we used to have the magic Sharpie. Well, that guy's gone now, but putting the numbers in the box is not important. That sounds still like the, the I see. Uh, yeah. Every now and then I'll break it out. Right. Okay. Okay. Win. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but that's not important anymore. What's important for a sales manager is managing your salespeople. Are they on task? Have they done their phone calls? Do they have any past due items in their planners? Do they have any, you know, unanswered communications from, from customers? You know, that stuff, managing the, the law, you know, do we have, uh, you know, how, how are our pictures? I I mean, all of these things are so much more important than printing a sales menu that uh, we've definitely need at my store. We have, and as an industry, we need to change the focus a little bit and uh, and make sure that the sales managers are managing the salespeople. I'm a firm believer. If you've got you know some Navy SEALs in finance, let them be Navy SEALs, right? Don't put Amen. your dog on a leash. So <laughs> you and I probably so believe a lot with that. But again, <laughs> I have had sales managers before that have deep finance experience. Uh, my GSM at my at my last Chevrolet store, you know, he was a great guy. I let him submit deals. I didn't let the sales managers do it, but I let him submit deals. Um, so so depending on your staff, but the vast majority of us, I think, should let finance do finance and let sales managers manage the sales staff. Well, I can I hope everybody's listening in on this one because I I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> so here's what happened. So they have at Germain and probably a lot like what you what you've got going there because you you do so, such a great job a streamlined process so when we're not running all over for stip collections and we're not having customers coming back in twice three times over because we couldn't go ahead and get the deal right the first time out how many times have we seen that heard that we've got customers coming back deals are sitting on CIT for just once weeks <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so who has time because we're always cleaning up the deal. So therefore the sales manager, he's or she's the one who's got to go ahead and submit the deal to go ahead and speed it up. But if in the event you have a lockdown uh, process that's streamlined, that everyone is is working well together 
then the chances of that happening. That's the key. Now, here's the problem. Now, now, now that my sales managers just feel like I kicked them all in the shins. Now let's talk about finance. Let's get okay. out of our office. Let's get and in the sales tower. Let's get on the showroom floor, right? Because one thing I can't stand is a finance guy sitting in his office and then complaining about a deal or the rate or the, you know, the credit or whatever. It's like, bro, we've been working this deal for three hours. Okay. Yeah. At any yeah. point in time, you could have come out and talked to the customer, talked to the sales manager. So I think, again, cohesively working as a team is mission critical. We've got to make sure that that happens. Uh, you know, so I, I think the sales managers could do uh, things a little bit different, but also I think the finance guys can make sure we do things a little bit different. Well, I got to tell you something. That's one of my pet peeves too. Did you know that? No, Did I you didn't. even know that? Because I no. feel like a parrot. And they're, <laughs> well, I, I do because I always talk about get out there. Let's meet the customer. You don't even have to call it the interview. Please don't call it the interview anymore. I really don't care what you call it. Go say hi. Yeah. Could you go just go hi. freaking do it, man? Just right. go out there, meet these freaking customers, get on the desk and, you know, be visible, be involved. Yeah give a crap what's going on with this deal so that the if you can get involved sooner, you know what you've got to work with. So like, you know, for me going out there in the dealerships, getting involved earlier, it was because as a consultant, you know, when you're in there, what's the worst, what's one of the things they want to do as a consultant Ooh. when, you know, the guy's in the dealership. So it's like, Oh, what does she know? Huh? Let's go ahead and see if we can't trip this one up. Right, so yeah. don't get me wrong. I get it. <laughs> and <laughs> I won't let that happen. <laughs> so one of the things is I make it a point. Why not fact find? Let's figure this shit out. And so we know what we've got to work with. So when that customer's in that office, you know what? Here's the thing. And I'm going to scare some of these people. I don't, hell, I can do a menu presentation, a digital menu presentation, we can talk paper menu, but right there at the salesperson's desk, yep. I can leave a customer. If that's where they're most comfortable, why not? I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And how many times did they buy products just being there because they like me? They, it's like, you're not dragging me through the mud. It's like, you're making this so freaking easy and I'm kind of liking you. And I'm yeah. like, I know I'm, I'm not bad for a trainer. Uh, no, yeah. not for a training, but it being in training. Cause I always yeah. used to say that I was in training. <laughs> anyway, so. yeah, yeah, but I get that. And it's, but see, why do we have such a hard time getting Ev and I out to do this, to get involved sooner, to engage sooner? What is up with that? Yeah. I mean, we can, we can all say what we think, right? I think, um, I, I think a lot of it is it's the way they've always done it, you know, and, and getting anybody to change anything. And that goes for the sales managers, the salespeople, the GMs, the owners, right? It's the way we've always done it. So we've got to change that. Um, and, and some of it is just attitude. You know, you've got uh, kind of that, that we'll say prima donna entitled attitude back there in finance. And it's like, wait a sec, you're part of the team also. And that, that probably starts with the leadership, right? Starts with the GM, starts with the owner. You know, we're all on the same team. We've got the same goal. None of us can do anything until we sell a car. And some of them are going to be good deals. Some of them are going to be bad deals, you know, but we've got to take them all uh, because that's just, that's the way it goes. And we got to try and maximize them and, uh, and that sort of thing. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult, but if we all feel like we're on the same team and we've probably all worked in that situation before where we've got our buddy back in finance, or maybe our buddy is the finance director and we're like, Hey, come here, check out this deal. Or, Hey, can you go talk to this customer? And in that situation, 
Life is so much better. The deal is so much better. The, the dealership is better. The deal flow is better versus if it's adversarial, which there's a whole lot of dealerships that are like that. Sales manager and the finance manager, button heads, button heads, button heads. You know, and it's adversarial relationship, right? If I'm in finance, why do I want to go out and talk to that guy? All he does is kick me in the shins every day. I don't want to go. I don't want to go help him out. Well, you know, uh, so Anthony, he, he says, depends on the environment. So yeah. it depends on the environment. Yeah, so it goes back to what I was just saying, though, right? It, it does. Yeah. If we can get along, work cohesively as a team, that'll change absolutely everything. You know, so I agree. Yeah, Anthony, you're spot on, man. If the desk managers and the finance managers aren't getting along, I mean, gosh, that's like your quarterback and your receiver not getting along, right? I mean, how's that going to work out? I'm telling you, where have you been all my life? <laughs> <laughs> No, but okay, so we talk about this because it is so important because if if you don't have the two, you know, I always like two heads are always better than one, right? It's always about the team and making okay. and connecting those um, and bridging that that gap, streamlining that process and how important that is to, you know, help to maximize profits. But um, before I get into this, um, Matthew says, an F&I manager gets out of his seat, he trains, he works with the desk, an F&I producer sits in his office and that and lets the deals come to yeah. him. It's like a desk and, manager and a sales manager. Yeah. I mean, they're I, two I, different people. It's yeah. just two different philosophies. It really is. And it's like, you know, this guy, you know, I got this. Don't worry about it. I'll let that deal make its way to you. And you just, and you, and you pound it out and I, that's just not me. I mean, that's not my, that's not my thing. Um, mm -hmm. I, I feel like this, I want to be able to get out, meet with the customer. And if there's a way I can better a deal, I mean, that's Becky, that's me. And I can tell you how many times, Josh, I bet you and I are so much like this. And you, this is why I get so passionate. Because I can take a deal and I look at it and I'm like, Oh my God, there's a lot of hair on this deal. I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> Been yeah. there before, right? Oh, and you're yeah. looking at it. Did they pay anybody? Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. can't really say that to the salesperson, right? They've worked three hours or however long with that customer. And it's like, yeah. well, go get yourself a real customer. How many right, times yeah. did that happen? You can't God, do that. What a, oh, man. And I oh. hate that, too. I mean, you, you got some 19-year-old kid who's selling his first car or his fifth car, you know, whatever. And then some finance manager, again, just kicks him right in the shins. And you're like, oh, bro, Kicks him on, right man. in the Yeah. And you know, personally, when that happens, like I, as an owner, I'll grab the deal and I'll get the deal bought. I will make sure oh. everything happens so that deal gets bought. And then I'll go back to that guy. See, bro. I mean, come on. See, bro. Come on. This is what you need to learn. This is the, yeah. this is, this is what you need to learn. So my boss one told me I have plenty. I had some darn good bosses in my career. I'm very fortunate to have. And he told me, he said, let me explain what your job is. And I'm like, okay. He says, your job, think of yourself as the attorney in the, in, in our attorney. You need to figure out what the bank's going to say to you so you can overcome their objection. How do you yeah. like those apples? And yeah. I'm like, okay, think I got it. Yeah. So from that point on, it was investigation, getting in and finding out yeah. what happened, what's changed, why it won't happen again. And our whole deal is, okay, well, I think I can pick up the phone for crane out loud and say to my lender, let me tell you what I found out. Let me tell you how this works. And there are still, regardless what other people say, there are relationship lenders still out there that are willing to go ahead and work with you. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. please. Because you know what? If I have to hear this one more time, 
There is no such thing as lenders that are willing to rehash. And I'm like, when's the last time you picked up the phone? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's, it's gotten almost a little, and and all of us, not just finance, got almost a little laziness where you submit a deal and then you type in the comments, you know, it's like, well, let me, will you please buy this deal or can you buy the rate down or, and that's again, one of my pet peeves is when they send a deal back up to the desk going, Hey, you dusted it five, nine, I can't get a bot past seven, nine. And I look at it and I'm like, you didn't call anybody. Hang on. Let me call General Motors Financial. And Hey, Susie, how are you? Remember those 12 great deals I just sent you? I need two points better on this. Pretty good deal also, you know? And oh yeah, no problem, Josh. And it's just like, that wasn't hard at all, but you had to pick up the phone. You had to pick up. You the have phone. to pick up the phone. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's not happening. It just isn't happening. So um, a couple of, a couple comments, um, Katie um, mentioned, I really appreciate listening to another innovative thinker like yourself embraces technology. There you are. The dealers that are fighting this will be, uh, will be the blockbuster. You mentioned the old school mentality and approach drives customers to another store that treats them the way that they want, which results in them gaining a new customer, not only a customer for, for sales, but also for for, for the whole nine yards, everything, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And how we deliver that is so important. Um, so yeah. we have Chris Bensley here. Wow, just lurking. And now I find one of my best favorite subjects, yeah. teamwork. Yeah. <laughs> Chris. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's it, 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 talking about the whole dealership as well, right? The, the adversary that's parts versus service, sales versus service, you know, none of us win. We are, we are all working at the same place, even though we think we're not sometimes we all are, we all have the exact same goal. And, you know, one of my guiding philosophies throughout my entire career is to try and treat everybody like my mom, my dad, my brother, and my sister. And I do that with not only my customers, but also with my employees. And and I tell my staff, I'm like, do I get along with my brother all the time? No. Do I want to punch him in the nose sometimes? Yes. Right. But at the end of the day, if he calls me up and he's got a problem, I'm going to try and help him with that problem. So whether it's, you know, he's got bad credit and we're trying to get the deal approved, I'm going to work hard to get the deal approved. I'm not going to go, oh, he's roached, you know, send him to drive time, get him out of here. Right. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to try and get him approved. And so exactly. if, we use, if we use that mentality with every single customer, not only are we going to sell more cars, but we're going to have better CSI or, you know, they're going to come back for service. They're going to be repeat customers. They're going to send us referrals. Nothing bad will happen. Are we still going to put forth a whole bunch of effort on a deal and not make it? Of course we are, but that's what we do, right? We're in the car business. If you wanted to have, if you wanted to bat a thousand percent, you're in the wrong business here. We're going to put forth a lot of effort and work and not be able to get a car done. I think it's a matter of really supporting each other's talents and yeah. relying on each other's talents and, and respecting we all have different that. Yeah. We do. We all have different talents. I mean, there's certain things that, you know, I'm maybe not the best in that I might, I'm going to need help in. But let me tell you something, when it comes to going in and getting involved in that deal and trying to figure out a better way to go, believe me, that's what I want to do. I want to figure out a better way. Can I, can I get a better rate? Can I get a better term? Can I get a better loan to value? Can I get my products? You know, yeah. and the list just goes on and on. And this is, this is why it's so key. But also making sure that you have that really deep, that good, that streamlined, that good relationship between the desk and between finance coming out, meeting that customer. Let's talk a little bit about um, this uh, digital menu. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, I, and the reason I want to talk to you about this, Josh, is because I feel like you're, 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 you're balanced. 
you know, I, you know, I know we get so excited about the technology piece. I love technology. I like it for all the what right reasons. But yeah. you know what? At the end of the day, I mean, we have a lot of people out there in this industry. And I'm just telling you the way it is. They're not using digital menu. Yeah. That digital menu can sit up there and collect cyber dust. It is yeah. not happening. Why yeah. do you suppose that's happening? Uh, it's the way we've always done it, right? I've been successful doing it this way. I don't want to change. And we see that with every aspect of everything in the car business. Um, but I, I mean, it's just, it's the right way to do it. I think it's the, it is the best, uh, the best way to communicate the most transparent way to communicate it with the customer. I, I just, I truly believe that. I mean, scribbling stuff on the back of a piece of paper. I just, it's, it's just not the right way to do it anymore. I mean, we've got to evolve and you know, we've, we, again, the successful guys and gals that have done it have proven that you're not going to lose gross. You're not going to lose PVR. You're not going to lose anything, but the consumers look at it. I mean, if, if, uh, for example, right, you go into certain places and shop. Apple's a great example. You don't even need a cashier anymore. You scan it with your app. It charges my credit card that's built into my, my iPhone. And then I walk out the door with it, you know, but for some reason in the car business, we're still archaic and we've got to do things our certain way. And we've got to have a Sharpie and a pen and paper and, you know, things like that though. Oh, thanks honey for turning on the lights. We're, <laughs> we're, we're losing some light here. It's all good. Uh, yeah. Oh, there you uh -huh. go. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I think a lot of it is, you know, Hey, I just, I'm scared of the change. I'm scared. I'm going to lose profit. It's all about profit typically because that's how we're paid. Right. So I'm scared that it's going to affect my paycheck. But in reality, if we just evolve with it, like we have with everything else in the car business, especially, and I'll tell you, you finance guys out there, you are the best people in the car business at closing and adapting and overcoming hands down the best. So don't worry about it right? Don't worry about it. It's not going to affect your paycheck. You'll be fine. You are the best closers in the entire building. So just, just wrap your arms around it and get it done. I think you nailed it on the head right there. <clears throat> it's about the pay plan. So, yeah. um, so anyway, so when I was trained, when I was doing all this menu selling training and I had people coming into these workshops and they were like freaking out and they're like, how is this going to work? Are you kidding me? I'm going to go ahead and put a base payment in front of the customer. They're actually, <laughs> you remember exactly. that, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Are you people, have you lost your freaking mind? Yeah. <laughs> what is up with that crazy? Well, that leg I had though. <laughs> How is this going to affect my pay plan? Yeah. <laughs> so like, don't worry about it. You're, you're going to make just as much as you made before, but better. That's yeah. the, that's what's going to happen. And you know what? That's what we've got right now. I've got some responses here and I want to share them with you. Um, I love that Josh has leadership meetings every morning. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That is. Bart's, Bart's a good guy. Bart's been in uh, a couple of my meetings in the mornings. Bart, I think yeah. that's awesome yeah. that you take the initiative to make sure that everybody's on the same page. That's yeah. key, isn't it? The communication piece is so important, right? And I tell my guys, especially with customers, when they're talking to customers, when when you've got good communication, that'll solve most of your problems. And that'll actually work in your personal life as well, too. Good communication will solve most problems. So if we can get to the point where I'm communicating what I want to happen, uh, 
and then it doesn't happen, now we can have a conversation about it. If I don't communicate what I want to happen or how I want it to happen, and then we have a, commun- a conversation about it, I can have guys and gals looking at me going, but boss, I didn't know that's what you wanted. You know, so being very clear and concise about what I want to happen. Now, where I differ a little bit is I don't care necessarily how we get there. Obviously, I want it to be moral and ethical and legal, but sometimes they're going to take a different path than I may have taken, and, and it might be better. Um, so I, I just want to make sure they know, hey, here's here's how I want, here's what the destination, here's what I want to end up at. And I'll let you know how I think, but if you want to ad lib a little bit, or maybe you've got a better idea, I'm going to listen because I know I'm not the smartest guy in the room. So let's listen. Here's what we want to achieve. Let's figure out how can we get there as a team. So that's what, something we do every single morning, 830 to 915 managers. We spend just a little bit of time and it's two stores in there, my Chevrolet and my Kia store. So that's why it's, uh, it's about 45 minutes, but we talk about everything we need to talk about. We talk about what we need to attack for the day. We look in the rear view mirror a little bit. How did yesterday go? And then, um, and then we move forward. Then we go have our sales meeting right after that. So do you also take a look at the deals? What's pending? What's conditioned? What's not bought? Absolutely. Anything like that? Uh, yeah. So we don't look at the actual like approvals. We're not jumping in dealer tracker route one, but we look at our heat sheet every single deal and we go, okay, what's going on with this one? And then we've got notes in our, we use Access, so we've got notes in there. Okay. And, and, yeah, and so we, yeah. Yeah. So we can look at every single one and go, okay, oh yeah, we talked about that yesterday. You know, yeah. Susie was supposed to be in with her proof of residence. Did she come in? And why didn't the salesperson go get it that night? I mean, we have all of those conversations right then and there. And if we talk about the same deal two or three times in a row with, you know, nothing's changed on it, you know, we might have a little different conversation about it. But yeah, we talk about the heat sheet and then we talk about the the CIT also. We'll go over the CIT as well. That's strong. That's strong. Yeah. So everybody's on the same page. Everybody, Everybody. sales managers and finance are all my finance director, not my finance managers um, are, are is in there. My finance director is in there and all my sales managers for the Chevrolet and the Kia store every Every morning we go over it. Okay, a couple more comments here. When you break out a paper menu, the customer has walls that come up immediately due to the same old, same old they have experienced in the past. <laughs> Look we at have a, your. We, oh. ha- we have a visitor. We have a visitor. This is what's called real life, people. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a little jealous that dad hasn't paid attention to him. All right, buddy, you got to get down. He's a little jealous dad hasn't been paying attention to him. <laughs> That's called real I love it. Customers trust something on a digital screen more than on, on paper. Do you agree with that? 100%. I mean, and it's so true, Matt, you're spot on, right? If I look at something on a screen, it's almost like Moses wrote it on a rock and brought it down from the mountain. But if I look at something on a piece of paper, you're like, Hmm, you could change, like you can change that and hit print and it could look different. But for some reason, we just, we put a lot more faith if we see it behind a screen. Um, I, I agree with Matt a hundred percent on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does have lends a lot of credibility. Um, and of course it's a lot more interactive and intuitive. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, we're just it used really to it. I mean, you know, fun. we're on our phone. I only have four messages. It's not bad, but we're on our phone and we're, you know, we're touching buttons. That's what we do all day long. So when we're looking at a screen, it's much more familiar. We, I mean, when's the last time, you know, most people had a piece of paper with written down stuff or we don't even really print stuff anymore. God forbid using like an impact dot matrix printer anymore. I mean, things like that. As soon as people, customers see that, they go, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, hang on. Stop. Let me. Okay, I'm off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not the best at the printing deal, but um, now we have lasers, so life is good. Yeah. 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 Life is much better. And then digital. So it's like, yeah. so I'm just, I mean, it, it, Brian's uh, store, Kramer's store, Jermaine, 
they very seldom even print out any kind of paper. They, yeah. and I think you do the same thing. Is that right? Um, yeah. When so you're processing? Yeah. we're probably 80, between 80 and 90% e-contract. Uh, Colorado wow. still has some forms that have to get wet signatures, which is we're as an uh, automobile deal, automobile dealers association, we're working on changing that. Um, so there are still a few forms we have to get wet signatures on. There are state forms. Mm -hmm. um, but ideally, if we can do everything electronic and then what we do is we email the customers. Here you go. Here's your paperwork. And then they can never say, hey, I don't have my paperwork. You know, it's in your <laughs> inbox, sir. Um, you know, it's just it's just so much more professional. Um, and, you know, again, we can hang on to, you know, 1997 if we want to. Or we can go ahead and evolve with the rest of the world. Let's go ahead and do that. Let's evolve with the rest of the world. Uh, we've already proven that you finance guys are studs. You gals are amazing. You can do it, right? So let's have full disclosure. Let's be transparent. The customers are going to like it and appreciate it. And we already know that if the customer's comfortable in a situation, in a transaction, they'll listen to you more and they'll buy more. We know that. So let's get them comfortable. Let's not, you know, let's not make them uncomfortable, put the screws to them. And, uh, you know, and, and it's just, it's not going to work out well for us. It's, it's a harder sell, you know, and I go back to, it's like, uh, it's like dealing with a friend or a family member. It's easy. If you could have that conversation I have with my buddy buying a used car and go, Hey, jackass, you're going to buy the warranty because I don't want you calling me when that dang car breaks and we know it's going to break, right? If we can have that same level of rapport with the retail customer, maybe polish it up a little bit there, sure. but have that same level of rapport with the customer to where they trust us. They're going to buy more product versus they feel like we're selling and pushing and slimy and this and that. It's going to be a harder sell. You know, one of the things that I really, I, I, and I get it. I really do. I'm, I'm, and, and the, I understand it's like going from playing maybe a guitar to playing piano, right? Yeah. It feels different. It is yeah. different. But I also know that there are veterans who like, ooh, wouldn't touch it. And now they, that's all they do. That's all. I mean, they, they, they wouldn't go to a paper menu if their life depended on it. But one of the things that I like about this digital stuff is the fact that we can tighten up a deal and it's much faster and yep. we don't have any heat on it. Yeah. I don't, and it's I, right. I, I, that and is it funds, as an owner, I like the fact that it funds quicker. You know? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. you wouldn't have any of these other issues plaguing. So plaguing you. So you don't have to worry about hair on the deal. It's already done. It's like yeah. clean, ready to go and funded. Okay. So we have a few more comments. Hey, Mark is here. Hey, what's going on guys? Looking good. Having fun. Always. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and Anthony, he says, Mark Nullenberger's facts. Yeah. Did I get that right? I'm, Bart, I'm yeah. telling you, mate. Yeah, Nullenberger, right? Do I have yep. that right? Okay. Yep. Everyone communicates, but Josh connects. This, he has a great influence. You absolutely have a remarkable, great influence. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You just I mean that do. connection piece is so key, right? If you can, and it, again, we're talking about customers, right? But let's switch that same conversation, substitute customers for employees. If they trust me, they know me, they like me, they know I'm going to be transparent. You know, they're going to work harder. They're going to stay with me. They're not going to leave. It's the same thing with customers. If we're transparent, they like me, they're not going to go to the dealer down the road, you know? So it just, it goes back to absolutely connecting with people. I mean, that is so important and it helps you sell. It helps you sell. I mean, everything, you know, and, and that's what we want. We want our customers never to leave us. I want my employees to never to leave us. They have to know that I care about them, that I'm communicating with them. They know what our goal is. Um, you know, 
it's just, uh, it's so important. You know, if, if we had a, a pay plan for the finance managers that wasn't transparent, you know, it, it was a little ambiguous, <laughs> they wouldn't sign that. But yet some of them are expecting their customers to sign things that aren't transparent and a little ambiguous. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, right. You wouldn't want it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, keep the rapport. Rapport leads to trust, showing we can help and we care. Digital allows us to be sharp as a tack and an expert and authority. Yeah. I just like it clean. You know, I'm yeah. just done with chasing steps and having yeah. to do a deal three times over again. I don't even know how somebody can handle, you know, handle that. And so if you're always having to think about having to go look over your back for another deal that you have to clean up, it, it, it it affects your overall performance. Wouldn't you agree with yeah. that? Yeah. It's just not, it's uh, it's exhausting. You know, yeah. it's, it's like having to run that mile a second time because you didn't do something right. It's like, Oh, come I've on. Seen I mean, so deals are exhausting times. enough. Let's simplify them. <laughs> Let's make them quick. The customer's going to appreciate it. The staff's going to appreciate it. You know, um, you know, the customers don't want to go through some lengthy process. The salesperson doesn't want to do it. The, the finance guy doesn't want it. I mean, nobody wants to do it, but yet sometimes, you know, we, we do it. It's just amazing. Well, um, I'm going to close with this one. And well, let me just see if I got that right now. I've got that. Um, let's just, um, Josh is spot on. That's a good way to close with, with what we're talking about. I just can't believe how fast the time goes, right? Has it been, oh my gosh, it's been an hour already. Wow. Because we're that great at what we do. Um, right. Tear down the walls between departments and get everyone rowing in the same direction. Create yeah. alignment. Really, that's yeah. alignment is is it through a shared vision and effect. Hey, you know what? I might even take that. That is... <laughs> If you see that showing up somewhere, Danny. That's right. Danny, Danny, she'll give you credit the first time. And after that, she's stealing it. It's hers. You know, right? You got to just go ahead and you see that right. in the book somewhere. And you're like, well, wait a second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, for lasting, any kind of lasting kind of comments, feedback for, you know, for our viewers and dealers. I mean, as far as how this whole thing is really, I mean, in, in a real world sense, going to play out in the next two to three years. Yeah. What do you see happening? Really? And I mean, gosh, darn, oh, I mean, the I last know. two or three years, right? We're like, whoa, who would have, who would have predicted any of that? I think, uh, you know, I mean, talking, obviously inventory is a big thing on everybody's mind. I think the beginning of this year is going to look like the end of last year. And then the end of this year is going to look like the beginning of last year. They're forecasting 15.8 to 16.2 SAR, which is not bad. You know, 17 is a pretty good year for us. Obviously, the 18s is when we're killing it. So um, I think 16 it will be a good mix for us as uh, we can have high margins still. Um, you know, the, the consumers won't quite be shopping around like that, uh, like they have in the past. We won't have a lot full of cars, which will be frustrating. But I think our, our PVRs will still be thanking us. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, obviously you're seeing a big shift to EV. We're already seeing the manufacturers do a whole lot of these online reservations, which are really interesting. Um, you know, they're clearly trying to dip their toe in the water for uh, for selling cars. You know, we're, we're seeing that. Um, but we know as a dealer body uh, that the, the, the manufacturers can barely sell cars to us and, and we don't put up a fight for anything. So they cannot sell cars to retail customers. We are the absolute right people to do the job and get the job done. But we've got to shift a little bit. You know, we've got to be okay with this online deal. And sometimes that means I have to appraise a trade over the phone. You know, sometimes that means I might have to deliver a car to a customer. You know, so we're going to have to change our mindset a little bit. And we're already doing it a little bit just 
because, you know, the, some guy in Texas is calling me and wants my Tahoe cause he's been looking all over the country. So we've been forced to kind of do some of this a little bit. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, as our dealer, we're putting people right into that digital retailing process. Absolutely. You want that car? Here's the link. I'm going to click, you know, so we're putting them right through that process. So we're conditioning customers a little bit to do that. Uh, but the, uh, the shift will, it'll be interesting the next couple of years and it'll be faster than anything that has ever happened. You know, 90, I remember 97 when we plugged our first computer into the wall, uh, you know, and we told some nerd, Hey, get in the broom closet and go sell some cars. Um, <clears throat> but it, that took, I mean, from us, from that point in time to actually like having an internet team and talking about third parties and NSEM and SEO and all that, that took 10 years probably for it to really transpire and gain some steam. This is going to happen. I mean, overnight, this is going to happen in a couple of years. So we're going to be selling EVs, the consumer's they want their car. They, they don't want to mess around. They don't want to jack around. So we've got to adapt to it. Um, and we can still do it. We can still be successful. We can still make money um, because we know that happy customers generally pay us more profit anyway. Uh, so we've got to make sure we do that. And then as an industry, we've got to do a better job attracting and retaining talent. Um, and oh, uh, and that's, you know, yeah. from the front of the house all the way to, we already know our tech problem with technicians right now, you know, but it's the same thing with, with salespeople. Turnover is 90 to hundred percent at most stores. And it's just, it's no way to build a sound business. So, uh, you know, I kind of rambled a little bit there, but those are all yeah. some things that are, that are happening and happening quick. So we've got to make sure we adapt. We've got to be comfortable with change. Um, and I think part of that's reasons why you're seeing a lot of buy sells right now. Is because uh -huh. you're seeing some guys that, you know, the average car dealer is like 74 years old. So you're seeing some, you know, 80 year old guys going, I had a good run. I, I don't want to adapt. And God bless him. I don't want to adapt. I'm done with it. You know, I survived 08. I survived COVID. Let's go. I'm done. So we're starting to see some of that where people are jumping out of the business. Um, but it's going to be imperative for, you know, for us, I'll include myself in the younger generation, but for us to go ahead and adapt and go, okay, here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we do it moving forward. And not only that, but I'm going to win doing it. Well, I feel like you have to put these new, you, you have to, again, put some of the, these new technologies in place. It's got to be part of your everyday yeah. workflow and what you're doing yeah. and how you do your business, because that's where that's. That's where it's at. That's, yep. you know, and, and it, it has to be how you do business. And that's what changes. It's not something culture. that we can yeah. also do. This yeah. is how, so like at my stores right now, how we do business is that first pencil, so to speak, is generated mm -hmm. from our digital retailing tool. That's how we do business. And you'd be yeah. amazed at how many customers go, that's the one I want. That's the way I want it. Like the sales manager doesn't even need to pencil the deal anymore. Now the digital retailing tools haven't quite, they're not quite where we need mm -hmm. them to be yet, but mm -hmm. they're really, really close. But again, whether you're talking about digital menu and finance, well, it doesn't matter. This is how we do business. There's no other way. This is it. So, but that's that mentality and mindset you have to change. This is just how we do it. So it's called, you know, communication. It's also called education. Yeah. Yeah. Do a little bit of training. With, yeah. You know, um, you know, and, and I feel, and I will say this, I feel like some, some, not your, not your group, but there are some dealers that, have been doing extremely well, um, despite what they thought it was going to be like when this yeah. COVID hit. And this is part of the problem is, 
is, and I've, I've been, we've been talking about this with our sales staff is you can be a lazy person right now in the car business and be successful. Now, typically if you were lazy, not following the process, not doing anything, you didn't make any money and you self-selected out. Right. But now you can not follow the process and be lazy and actually be successful. So it's, it's enforcing bad habits right now, but it's going to change. We're seeing the manufacturers are ramping up production. Things are changing. So you're going to have to get back to, you know, calling your customers back, following the process, doing things the right way. Otherwise you're going to lose to people like me. So be careful with what you do because <laughs> there's going to be people out there hyper aggressive and going, okay, we're still calling our customers. We're still treating them like gold. You know, there's a whole bunch of people right now beating their chest going, oh, you're not going to pay 15 grand over sticker for this car. Oh, get out of here. And then guess what? 10 minutes later, somebody buys the car from them and then they feel good about telling that customer to hit the bricks rather than slowing down, building rapport, overcoming the objections, trying to figure out how do we make a deal because that takes a little bit extra time. So yeah, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to put your dust, your dust, the dust, the selling shoes off again here real quick. Well, I think so too. And you know what? Here's the thing, Josh, let's do this again. Absolutely. Because I'd love to see what happens in the, in the next three, four months yeah. um, down the road, how we're adapting to this whole thing and why it's so important to make some, and it doesn't have to be a major overhaul, right? I mean, no. it's just little things that we do that makes the biggest impact. You've been listening to Make Your Evanite Profit Stick with Becky Chernick. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating or review wherever you're listening right now. And don't forget to share to Facebook or your favorite social media platform. Keep in mind, I offer the very best in an in-dealership or remote F&I training since 2001 for automotive, recreational, and allied industry professionals. Get all your managers on the same page and make those F&I profits stick.